a really quick and exciting announcement to make. The Menopause and Cancer podcast is now also on YouTube, and I'm so excited that more people now get to watch our conversations. So the link to the YouTube channel is in our show notes. Please go and subscribe to the channel so that more people who need to hear our conversations are able to find them. Thank you. Welcome to the Menopause and Cancer podcast, where we speak with cancer patients, survivors, and incredible menopause experts to help us find solutions to our symptoms and ideas to improve our health. My name is Danny Binnington, and I'm delighted to be talking about weight loss and weight gain in today's episode, and why the good old-fashioned advice of eating less and moving more is just outdated. Many women in our community say, Danny, it just doesn't work for me. Is it because I'm in menopause now? Is it because of my cancer treatment? I just can't seem to shift this stubborn weight. It never used to be like that. I'm delighted to welcome our expert for today onto the show. Nigel Denby is a registered dietitian and he has been helping women eat better and lose weight and feel better in themselves through the menopause transition over the last 25 years. He does a lot of work with the British Menopause Society. Nigel is absolutely amazing. I've got a whole list of questions for him and I really want to tackle how we can actually lose weight and is it possible? Because I know so many of you say to me, it almost feels a bit hopeless. So let's welcome Nigel into the conversation. Nature, uh, thank you for being here. It's a tricky topic, weight loss, weight gain, and, you know, it's emotional and it's really awful for women that say, I've been eating really well, I've been moving, and I think the good old-fashioned advice of moving more and eating less just isn't cutting it for me. Talk Daddy, to us about weight gain and weight loss. Dali, I think you're absolutely right. And I think this is um, this goes across the board in for women in general, um, that as we start to, uh, well, at any stage, weight loss is not easy because it's looking at changing behaviours. But when we start thinking around perimenopause or menopause, for whatever reason you're experiencing perimenopause and menopause, you're, the whole way your body deals with energy in and energy out changes, suddenly any method that you might have had uh, in your 20s or 30s perhaps that allowed you to manipulate your weight to go on holiday or get ready for Christmas or get rid of the post-Christmas gains that you'd had, these things suddenly don't work anymore. And it can be, on so many levels, um, the most frustrating element of perimenopause and menopause because of course, it's part of your identity. It's part of your feeling of control. It's, it relates to everything that sits in your wardrobe. Suddenly clothes don't fit the way they used to. Um, and it can drive women really to the point of, of this is the last thing I need. I can deal. Women tell me I can deal with not sleeping. I can deal with hot flushes. I can deal with brain fog. But if I can't get my jeans on, then I've had it and I totally get it. Nigel, is it possible to lose weight and keep it off after a cancer diagnosis and when someone is in menopause? Danny, I absolutely promise you it is possible. Uh, I see it every <laughs> single day. I've been doing this for 25 years 
and um it is difficult but it is possible and the where the difficult bit comes in is i think first of all particularly for cancer survivors um that's an added shackle to uh to your weight loss journey for many reasons it might be more difficult because of medications you're taking um and we certainly see um things like tamoxifen having an impact um on, on weight gain but uh, it that doesn't make it impossible i think also cancer survivors are on a a unique journey as well you go through that process where everybody is literally saying to you look just get through this do anything eat anything you want this isn't a time to be worrying about um you know uh weight loss or great nutrition you might well find that you have actually started to develop one or two emotional connections with food that have been part of your cancer journey and that might also be the case around exercise that you might have been told for such a long time just rest don't bother trying to exercise that actually your mind shift and your relationship with exercise has changed as well and um I hope this makes sense. I I really want it to be helpful, but with every cancer survivor I've ever worked with, there has to be that shift from cancer victim to cancer survivor. And once you are cancer survivor, you can do this. But I do think you there is a point where you almost have to say, "Okay, the cancer has happened." I am on the other side of that now and now I'm ready to take control. Um and that could be yeah. a very similar thing for women in lots of other circumstances as well. It's not unique to cancer survivors, but I think it is a really critical moment which is the moment I look for with any client I'm working with to see that that light bulb moment has happened and they are now ready. to tackle this head on. Let me just interrupt this great conversation with Nigel to remind you about the episode that we released last week on which herbal supplements are safe for you and where are their contraindications and if there are contraindications who are they for. Many of you have emailed saying they would like to try herbal supplements to help with some of their menopausal symptoms. Do try Empowder. They are a brilliant brilliant brand and also if you want to learn more about the contraindications remember to listen to last week's podcast episode. We've done so much legwork for you and we really hope it's been super helpful. Let me ask everyone at home listening to this cuz I know people are now out on a dog walk they might be doing their dishes they might be folding their laundry whatever people do when they listen to our conversations I want people to know and ask themselves are you ready so whoever you are in the world we know we have people listening from Australia to New Zealand the UK people are from all over whatever you're doing right now if weight is a problem are you feeling ready to do something about it cuz sometimes i know we're really busy we might still have medical appointments we're trying to manage like everyone else our families we're trying to hold it together for everyone we've got so many things on our plate and yes you might be thinking i really want to lose some weight but it's not always the right time isn't it you really do need to be ready 
because it's a commitment. It is. And, and, you know, it is the most important question. And I'm so glad you pick up on it straight away. Again, regardless of what your journey has been, that is such an important question. And do you know probably why um, I, I look at it so closely? I'm an alcoholic. I've been in recovery for 13 years um, and had to be ready to make that change and to make that commitment. And the readiness had to be for the right reasons, not for anybody else, not because anyone else thought I needed to. It had to be for me. And it is a really similar thing with this. And, you know, it's often just talking in general around menopause. If you are on your knees with symptoms, you can't do what I need you to do. You've got to start feeling better. You've got to start feeling in control of some of those symptoms. And then you can do this. Because much as I would love, Danny, to say, oh, there is a little secret to this that nobody knows about and it's tucked right up my sleeve and I'm going to share that with you. And there's a magic wand there's a, or there's a formula that no one's ever told you about to do this. We still end up coming back to energy in and energy out to change your body composition. So it's not just we have to get really smart with this. It's not just about you know, legging it as much as you possibly can on a treadmill to do aerobic exercise. It really is about a combination of strength, aerobic and restorative exercise to reverse the aging effect that happens with menopause that slows your metabolism down. And that's the most critical bit. It's not the fall of estrogen that makes you gain weight. It's the fall of estrogen that changes where the weight goes but largely it is your metabolism that is causing this weight gain and we've actually not even started to talk about what's on our plate and i want to talk to you about that and i've got loads of questions here about myths that i really want to ask you as well so we need to be ready um, to commit to this, it needs to be the right time and we can't be bugged down with loads of other symptoms. And I think this is so crucial because I think so many women, when we speak to them, they're really almost, they're setting themselves up to fail. And you can see it from the outside, but you can't really say it. You know, when people say, I just, there is, I can't sleep or my anxiety is through the roof. And you can see, you can see the anxiety almost oozing out of their pores. This might not be the time to really start to relook at their diet. They might have to maybe go to their doctor and see if they can tackle sleep first. Or maybe it is diet first, but it is definitely thinking, do I have enough energy to do this, isn't it? And I think the energy that we bring to the table will then set ourselves up to succeed with this. And if we just want to lose weight, but we just actually haven't got anything left to give. I know there were so many times in my life where I had nothing left to give nothing. And I was shoveling in, like he said earlier, you know, when I was going through active treatment, we were living abroad and I was just shoveling in salami sandwiches because it's the only thing that I thought was not making me feel sick. It put on weight because I was someone that always lost a lot of weight. So I really had to work hard of not looking so painfully thin. And I wasn't in the right frame to really relook at my diet. So it's asking everyone at home, are you ready? 
And if you're ready and you have that capacity, then it can be a great journey to go on, but you've got oh to be ready goodness. and you've got to have that capacity. It really can. And you know, I mean, um, I know we're going to talk about it in a bit. You and I have often talked about a way to approach this for women who have been on that, that cancer journey. And you know what? I don't think we need, we don't need to give, um, sort of create special cancer survivor courses for this. The information itself is, is very generic and it's very, but it's also very personal to every single woman, cancer survivor or not. What we have to do though is just acknowledge the elements of that cancer journey that might be making this more difficult. But it, it is also equally difficult for the woman who is a single parent with, you know, three kids at different schools and trying to run a job and everything else. It's equally difficult for the woman who just happens to be from a South Asian background and is far more prone to put weight on around her tummy and increased risk of, of diabetes. Every single person has their journey. And what my approach to managing weight is, first of all, really looking at what is it. Once we understand the physiology and the hormonal element of perimenopause, we can add in a little bit of extra info there around cancer, but then it still comes back to what's your part in this. What is it that you are doing in your lifestyle that is not conducive to you managing your weight? Because that's where your answer comes. That's where the change needs to come. And of course, that's really hard because changing our behaviours is the tough bit. It would be, you know, so great to have a one-size-fits-all diet that everyone can follow and that that's the magic formula. But it just doesn't exist. The answers to what needs to change are right under your nose. And that's where we start with really looking at, so what is it you're doing? And then we can identify the big wins that are going to help and put a plan together that, in, that puts you in charge of what those changes are going to be, how you're going to measure them, how realistic they are, how accountable you want to be for them. And also what are you going to do on the day it goes wrong? Because it will always go wrong at some point. Mm. And you can either sort of lay down and say, oh, here we go again, history repeating itself. Or you can think, actually, that went wrong because I really hadn't eaten enough all day. I was too hungry and therefore I picked out at dinner. Well, you know, no crime in that, but you could learn yeah. something from that. Yeah. And what I think is crucial for me, what you have just said is you don't have to figure it all out yourself. If you're at home now and you think, yes, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I've got the capacity. It can be almost impossible to know where to start and how to do it because our social media field, uh, um, what's it called? Social media. Let's just feed. <laughs> if I can get the word up. Yeah. Every world is conflicting information. So much different advice. We have people with millions of followers on their social media accounts and they will tell you that if you put mct oil in your coffee it's really going to change your weight loss and your weight gain and that might be right i'm going to talk to you in a moment about all of that but you don't have to be 
figuring it out all yourself. And in fact, Nigel, we're working on something great together that hopefully we can offer in the autumn to people to really support people on their journey and on their plan. Because if you're thinking, yes, I'm ready, but I don't know where to start, then that is normal. You do not have to have it all figured out yourself. I think it's one of the things I thought for years that I need to put my whole treatment plan, my whole sort of like healing plan together myself. Well, that's rubbish. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist there are amazing people that can help us. So don't worry, you don't have to have it all figured out. Let's go back to yeah. what you said earlier, supplements. Are there supplements for weight loss? Because MCT oil, green tea extract, caffeine, and other things are flooding my social media feeds. And I am was so close to buying collagen powders and MCT oils for my mum, who is also going through breast cancer treatment at the moment, and who also struggles with her weight. And I just thought, oh, if I could just help mum with a bit of a quick fix, maybe she can put that MCT oil into her morning coffee. What's your take on that? Okay, well, the simple answer, the one word answer is no. Uh, if we go a bit further on that, there, do, there is not a single supplement, herbal remedy, um, that is, or herbal remedy that is going to facilitate, enhance, speed up weight loss. It is utter garbage and it is totally an unregulated field that is pretty much able to make claims, um, in any way, uh, that, 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 that uh, sells material. It is absolutely playing on the vulnerability of people who are feeling desperate and a bit stuck. Um, so none of those things have evidence to support them. And that's the thing to remember. As a registered dietitian, I am um, governed by the Health Professions Council and the British Dietetic Association to work to an evidence base, not what my mate Margaret did up the road. That is not how dietetics works. We look at the science, we look at the evidence, um, and we then try and translate that into uh, manageable, realistic interventions that people can introduce to their own lives. And I have never in 25 years encouraged a single patient to use a single supplement to help with weight loss. <sighs> I'm a little bit disappointed and I wonder if there are a lot of people listening to this who are also you know, I believe you from the bottom of my heart. And yet it's a little bit disappointing because it would be lovely to just send a packet of something to my mum thinking, just do this and it'll no, help. But I I'm hear disappointed because if hear. I found it, I'd be living in Beverly Hills. I don't <laughs> live in Beverly <laughs> And, you know, and, and quite rightly, you could make a fortune if that existed. And that's what everybody in that world is trying to do is make a fortune because what you um, don't see on any of those feeds is anybody saying, I spent £250 on this and I did it for three months and nothing happened. You never hear that. All you hear is um, very often people who have been paid to say that I got this result. Uh, you know, influencers, all kinds of different people. 
Um, and it's wrong. And it makes me furious because, again, when we think about individuals, the women at the end of this, every single time you embark and you gather all that motivation and that enthusiasm for this next approach, every time you do that and it doesn't work, it's another nail in your confidence coffin. And I hate that yeah. because I spend most of my time not talking to women about eat more fruit and veg because they know that. Most women know exactly what to do to lose weight. I spend most of my time trying to encourage, motivate and persuade a woman that she can do this because it's been knocked out of her so many times um, by a diet industry. And just, you know, just remember that word. It is an industry that makes billions. Thank you so much, Nigel. I think whatever age people were diagnosed with cancer and however they have been pushed into menopause and for whatever reason they found a menopause and cancer podcast, we have had decades of being marketed to, of made believe that what we're doing isn't good enough, that there is always the next best thing out there that can make us healthier, that understand more about our overall health, gut health, whatever it is. And so we're always left feeling a bit inadequate, aren't we? And you are right. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's and, a consideration to make, isn't it? And for this particular audience, when we think about um, some of the messaging, Look at things like low carbohydrate diets. Removing carbohydrate diets removes most of the fiber, removing the carbohydrate from your diet removes most of the fiber from your diet. Um, and the biggest, uh, cause of bowel cancer is a diet low in fiber. If we then look about some of the, um, scares around, uh, again, the carbohydrate value of different fruits and vegetables. We cut out a whole range of antioxidants that would offer protection from the very damage to ourselves that, our cells that can start a tumor developing. You know, this is, this is not public health information. This is material. No. Uh, and. Yeah, and you're absolutely right, because January, there was so much conversation on so, so many Twitter um, chats and everywhere about people trying the carnivore diet. And of course, there will never be a randomized control uh, trial because it's dangerous. You're removing all fiber from your diet. And I just don't understand how people think that might be a good idea to lose weight. But I think it comes back to being really compassionate and thinking if you have embarked on things that with hindsight, you think it's mad what I've done. Because we often look back and think, gosh, I tried this and that. And looking back, you, lots of women, we laugh about it. We're like, I was mental trying that, but I gave it a go. It comes back to being confused because we've been marketed to and we've been sold to by this industry that doesn't have our health at the front of our heart, but like you say, pushing supplements or other bigger agendas. Yeah. Uh, uh, and again, you know, I, I totally get it. If you are looking at some skinny mini on an, on an Instagram live, you know, telling you with real compassion and enthusiasm and beautiful lighting that, you know, this 
um, oil that you can drop into your coffee is just going to melt the fat away. And, you know, it's really compelling. It is literally, though, it is just marketeering. Um, and, and it really, it really does bother me. And, and also, you know, it's not just things like, um, Instagram at the moment. So we've got this big trend, you know, that everybody should be measuring their glucose levels to every single food that they try. So, you know, uh, uh, so that you can see how your blood sugars react to one food over another. My argument to that is so what? You know, that's what you have a pancreas for. That might be really useful if you have diabetes. But knowing that your blood sugars rise when you eat a muffin is really not going to have any benefit to your relationship with food. It isn't going to do anything mm-hmm. to enable you to or empower you to look at your diet as a whole and start identifying where um, changes really need to come in place to to impact the whole diet. For me, it takes women down another rabbit hole of demonizing one food over another. It's pseudoscience because there have been, again, no trials for this on, uh, for this as, a, as an accurate way or as a, an, an efficacious way of managing weight any better than any other quick fix fad diet. You can lose weight doing it but no better than anything else and the comparisons that are, are um, it's measured against all result in weight regain so the only way again mm. we're going to um, really make a difference to this is by looking at your current existing regime of food in and energy out and identifying what is not helping you there and changing that. Hmm. So you said earlier that most people know what's healthy, and I agree with that. Most people know that when they buy, I don't know, their chocolate ice cream tubs and they <laughs> enjoy that on a Friday night, we know that's not healthy, and yet we eat it. I have those conversations all the time with my friend. We say, why do I eat what I don't actually want to be eating? So we know what's healthy, what should be on our plates, what shouldn't be on our plates. We also know that calories aren't equal. So we all know that the calories of a chocolate bar aren't equal to the calories in an avocado. But what, when you say calories in, calories out, it is still about the calories that are on our plate. So when we talk about fats, for example, we know that full fat products are higher in calories than low fat products. So do we say, for the purpose of weight loss, let's go towards low-fat products? Or are we sticking with huge. the full fat and it's higher? Yeah, no, I'm not a huge fat on, fan of diet products. Um, now, let's so let's think, first mm. of all, about food groups in general. My basic model I use for breakfast, for lunch, and for dinner, what I'm interested in is calories that count, calories that bring something to the table, some nutritional value to the table. Empty calories, crisps, chocolate, alcohol are not things we mustn't eat, but we have to remember high calories and no nutritional value. So we really, those are the things that we, we really have to think and dis- make a conscious decision to consume. And when we do that, 
consume without guilt because that allows us then to limit the amount we have. But back to our, our meals, our breakfast, our lunch and our dinner. Very simple. You imagine a plate, a circular plate divided into four quarters, one quarter protein, one quarter carbohydrate and half of that plate, fruit, vegetables or salad. What that's going to do is give you the majority of your energy coming from great sources of antioxidants and fibre, the fruits and vegetables, as many different colours as you can, a moderate amount of high quality protein, meat, fish, vegetarian proteins, chicken, tofu, whatever you might want, and a range of low glycemic, high fibre carbohydrates. So low glycemic, yes, that don't affect your blood sugars dramatically, but that's not the single route to weight loss, but also surprise, give you enough fiber to keep your bowel working properly um, and to keep you feeling fuller for longer. That's a basic model that you can use for pretty much any meal. You can do it with a roast dinner. You can do it with fish and chips, small portion of chips, small portion of fish, big old salad and mushy peas. But you can also do it with composite dishes. If you're making a cottage pie, you know, a smaller amount of meat, adding some lentils as well. Loads of veggies, grated carrots, peas, sweet corn, celery, onions, mushrooms in there to build the fruit, the, the vegetable element. And nice potato topping, maybe with the skins left on. You don't change your diet dramatically. You change the balance of things. Then we probably need to think about portion sizes. Do you know the number of women I talk to who don't eat very much throughout the day and then have a dinner the same size as their male partners or their teenage sons? You need to eat regularly throughout the day, but you probably only need to eat at meals about the amount of food that would fit into your cupped hands. That's enough for most of us to reach the point of satiety, of feeling no longer hungry. One of our biggest faults in the 21st century is we eat when we're ravenous, we eat really quickly and we eat until the point that we're stuffed. Slowing down, eating a little more mindfully, we can register that point of satiety and register, it's really tasty, but I've had enough. I am now no longer hungry. Um, and that can be a total game changer. Most of us need to do, to, to save between three and 500 calories a day to start losing weight consistently. Now, you can obviously impact that with some extra activity, but you could save 500 calories by skipping a whole meal. But the likelihood is that's going to leave you ravenous for the next meal and you're going to make up most of the savings that you made by overeating at the next world. We've got very good studies that show us that. What I prefer to do is harvest off a hundred here, a hundred there, a hundred there throughout the day. And then when you get to the end of it, you've saved your calories without really changing dramatically what you eat. A lot of people also ask, you know, about snacks and things. Are, are snacks safe? Yeah, if you plan snacks in, they're a really good idea if they do take the edge off that 
extreme hunger for the next meal so that you can go into it again, hungry, not ravenous, eating until you're satisfied, not stuffed. But Danny, if you've had decades of restricting on diets and quick fixes, that can be a really big mind shift for somebody to think, well, yeah. you want me to eat five times a day? Um, yeah, you're damn right, I do. And again, the reason I also yeah. am hot on this from a cancer perspective is if you are a, a survivor, well, you know, blinking well done for that. But my goodness, your body needs nurturing after what it's been through. Yeah. And that really does mean nutrients from all the food groups. It really does mean energy to do the exercise that your body needs to regenerate muscle, to give you that feeling of, I survived, I have made this, I have got my life back. All of that is so important. You cannot do it running on empty. Thanks so much for listening so far. It means a lot. I make this podcast to support other women who faced a similar struggle to me. So if you know someone who you think might benefit from listening, please share the link with them. I would really appreciate it. Yeah, you are 100% right in that. It is thinking how much goodness can I put into myself? How can I feed myself like I was the most precious baby you care for, right? Because when I looked after my three children when they were little, all I wanted to do is give them that extra pee or a little bit more chicken soup when they were ill and they were off school. And I just wanted to nurture them so much with good food. It's like, I always thought if they eat really badly for a whole week, it's like watering plants with like really dirty water. I just had it so visual with my children, but we need to transfer that onto ourselves, don't we? We are so worthy of just putting in the absolute best and a lot and not depriving ourselves. But I speak to so many women who say, oh, Danny, I couldn't do that. And I think so many women, like you say, have been dieting for so long. They say, oh, I need restrictions. I need boundaries. I need rules. If nature says to me, you can have the occasional chocolate, you can have the occasional crisps. They don't trust themselves to then not go and binge out and just go all out. And so it's a really love, learning of behavior, isn't it? I love your analogy about the children, but it's, it's, it's something I use a lot. So if you've got children, one of the things I would always suggest, if you're thinking, where do I even start with this? Do a really honest food and activity diary for three or four days. Then look at that and think, how happy would I be if my kids ate the same way that I do? That's probably going to give you a good pointer to the things that might need to change. The next thing, though, to think of is one of the biggest parts of, of putting the change in place is having a plan and being organised. Now, again, you think about that, you know, so it's so often you just find yourself eating something because you suddenly realise you didn't eat all day or you, you haven't got a plan for what's going to be for lunch, what your snacks are and what your breakfast is going to be. Again, if you've got kids, did you, when they were three, ever leave the house with them without having everything they need. 
Of course, you left with unbagged oh, no. bags no. And needed to go on holiday. Now, the point is that tells you you have the skills to do this. The difference is you've got to apply them to yourself now because this is about you. And again... I'm going to show off, Nigel. I'm going to show off and I want to inspire everyone at home. Can you give me one second? Hold up. I'm just going to walk around my desk and I'm going to show you how I have set myself up for success today. It's not perfect and I need you to tell us. Um, this is totally unprompted. So it's not perfect. And oh, it's a shame it's not perfect. Anyway, <laughs> I knew I was going to be really busy after our call today. Yeah. I've got a meeting after this and I knew I really... I will be eating and I'll be ravenous. So I make myself snack boxes at least three times a week. Well, and in those, <laughs> and in those snack boxes, I just make them in the morning. And so today I've got in there a whole pear and a whole carrot. Cause when I chew on something, that's great. I've put in hummus, ready made hummus. I've put in some sauerkraut. I put in four cherry tomatoes and I've put in avocados. A whole know, avocado. If what? I could embroider, I would be sitting here embroidering you a badge for your swimming costume <laughs> because that is brilliant. And do you know, I mean, again, that's as, that's about as complicated as it really gets. It's coming yeah. up with stuff that you've got with you. Because if you don't and you end up in Pratt or Costa buying a coffee yeah. thinking, I'm starving, what are you going to buy? You're going to buy sweet stuff or, you know, sandwiches and crisps and what have you. And there's nothing wrong with sandwiches. But, you know, it is absolutely back to the stuff our mums taught us, planning a little menu yeah. for the week, a shopping list that gets you all this stuff that you need in. Then thinking tomorrow I'm on the road all day. I'm in meetings. I need all my food with me. You know, and therefore you possibly need a little insulated cold bag that you can take your stuff out with you for the day. So it stays fresh and you want to eat it when you go. It's not rocket science, but I think we've been led to believe it is. It needs to be hocus pocus, smoke and mirrors. It isn't. It is really simple. And the skills to do it are all within you if you apply them to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if people at home can notice what's missing. I've obviously got protein missing in there, haven't I? You've got some. Um, it's a bit of hummus in there, but that's not enough. Probably not. Mm. You, you know, you could even have in there mm. a, couple, a little baby bell cheese would do you to get some. Yes. Yeah. I do usually. Yes. That would be good. A couple of oat cakes to give you some nice long lasting carbohydrate in there. But do you know what? You've got a snack box, my goodness. You get nine and a half out of ten for that. Yay! And you know what it is for me? It's once I stop thinking I need to cook or prepare meals, my rule now is a minimum, and the kids really know it, it's a minimum of six different ingredients. And that sort of gets me through different textures and different flavors and often put olives in or a bit of feta cheese and and so for me as long as I think six different things just throw it all in that took me three minutes to prepare I wasn't hungry when I prepared it but I knew and so by the end of today I'm going to feel quite good because however else my day pans out for me I knew I know I've had some fresh fruit and veg 
I had some really good whole foods to sort of chew on. So emotionally, I know I've done well, however else my other meals are going to pan out. And I liked your analogy of thinking how often we are prepared for children and other people, and we need to relearn it to do it for ourselves again. You really do. And that, again, I think is such a breath of fresh air for some women to realise it's there's no mystique to this. It is actually just common sense. But of course, common sense is only common when it's shared with things like our podcast. You know, we do our Back to Basics course, that 12-week course, where we really teach this to women. It isn't all about learning about what an antioxidant does, although we teach women that. It is about putting this plan together. And that's why I'm so excited that we hope this year we're maybe going to be able to do that, but add just that little bit that lets women know who are cancer survivors, you know, actually this is for you as well. Do you know, I did a count. We're currently running the course, Danny. We've got about 400 women doing it at the moment. And I think we're nearly 5% of those women are cancer survivors anyway. So, you know, they're yeah, already yeah. doing the course, but, and it, and it works yeah. for them. I think, you know, when we put our heads together and think, what are the extra bits that are really going to let women, your, um, cohort of women know they are in the right place, um, and getting the right sort of um, helps. I can't wait to, to collaborate with you on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it is now spring. So we're hoping to just plan it all this summer and get cracking on in the autumn, hopefully yeah. latest. I'd really love for people to think I want to tackle this. I am ready. And we allow people to the time to get ready. Then do get in touch with us and um, we'll put a really lovely program together for you that nature hosts so beautifully with such great success rate. I'm going to ask you one more question and then I'll let you go, um, Nigel. Before you said, we talked about how much we really need to eat to get all of the nutrients that we need to recover from all of the things, the trauma that has happened to us. You mentioned breakfast, lunch and dinner. Now, where does fasting come in when we purely talk about weight loss? Because we know the benefits of fasting and that is just to maybe say, I'm not eating for 12, 13 hours overnight. Nothing crazy are there for our overall metabolic health for our gut to restore for our body to really you know sleep well and process we're not talking about crazy fasting just just extending that fast overnight but does fasting play a beneficial role for weight loss and which type of fasting if so well i think lots of people yeah again would advocate fasting as you know the nirvana for weight loss um i look at it so if somebody wants to fast for one or two days during the week i think great for you but i cannot really see is that doing anything other than saving calories i don't think it does i really don't think the evidence is there for that what i do like is the idea that once you have your dinner that is the end of eating for the day now you can call it fasting in my day we used to call it going to bed but, um, you know, the idea really that you just eat your dinner and then you don't eat again until it's breakfast. That for me is the absolute epitome of what fasting should be about. We consume most of our excess calories in the grazing 
that we do sitting in front of the TV or, you know, that late night at 10 o'clock news thinking of, hmm, what can I have? That's when we start to in- mm. include a lot of those excess calories. So I actually think the biggest benefit of that not eating after dinner fast is actually what you're saving putting in more than any kind of metabolic um benefit that anyone is uh, would report about that for me again is um it's a common sense approach Nigel thank you for your clarity for your expertise and also for your hope and for making us feel that it's not our fault that it hasn't worked out so far because it might just need a different approach and a more helpful and compassionate approach where we are supported it's not our fault, is it, when it hasn't worked out? I love In that. 25 years, Danny, I have never worked with anybody who is struggling with their weight, who is greedy or lazy. I have worked with many people who have difficult relationships with food. I've worked with many people who have got into habits with their food and their exercise that have felt quite unconscious, but have just become the way that they've lived. That's all this has ever been. Now, there are people that have really disordered relationships with food who need a very specialist approach. But for the vast majority of us who just want to do a bit better, that's actually all we need to do is just be a bit better. Not perfect. Perfect is as dull as dishwater. Just a bit better. And if you can be a bit better forever, that gives you the results that will take you into your 80s and 90s in control of your weight. Thank you, Nigel. I've got nothing else to add, apart from that I'm very excited to create a lovely program with you for anyone that really wants to tackle this with support from you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't wait to get to know more of your members that um, we can work with over the, the course of the year. Thank you, Danny. God bless you for everything you do. Isn't he amazing, Nigel? I hope this conversation has given you just the helpful suggestions that we all need to cut through the crap of all of the diet advice that is out there. I think he's brilliant. I'm going to tuck into my nearly perfect snack box. I'm gr- I'm grateful that Nigel said perfect is as dull as washing up water. Um, and so I'm going to tuck into my nearly perfect snack box. I can highly recommend making snack boxes. A minimum of six ingredients works for me because it just gets me thinking what else I can add. It's a little bit different every time I put one together, depending on what I have at home. Um, I never count calories. I always count how many whole foods in the most sort of natural, least processed form are in there. And that really works for me. And if you're thinking, do you know what, Danny, I am totally ready to do this, but I need help and support, then reach out to Nigel and his community and wait until or wait until we have come up with a really lovely program to support all of you um, in collaboration with Nigel later in the year. For now, Enjoy whatever you're going to cook and eat for yourself today. I'm going to tuck into this. Chat to you on the podcast next week. Mm -hmm.